This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. We are honored to have a repeat guest on today. We have Rebecca Lyons in studio, and she was on, I think it was maybe, when did Rhythms of Renewal come out? Exactly two years ago, actually. October 1st of 19, five months before the global pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was thinking, yes, I feel like it was about two years ago that you were on, and We had such a great conversation, but today we, I feel like this is going to be another really fantastic conversation on your new devotional called A Surrendered Yes, which I could personally relate to in so many ways and just needed the message of this book. So I cannot wait. Personally, there's a little, I feel like a little bit of a selfishness for having you on because I just want to ask you all of my questions and get the encouragement, but I think everyone listening is also going to be blessed as well. So Rebecca, I know you're a repeat guest, so you've already introduced yourself, but for those who maybe didn't hear the other episode or maybe you have some updates on your life, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm excited to talk about surrender, but it really comes, you know, like for all of us, it's part of a journey. And so the backstory is that I'm a mom of four kids and my oldest 20, he's 20. He has a Down syndrome diagnosis. So that he was my firstborn at 26. So you can do the math. And then we had um, another one, two years later, another one, two years after that. And then we wound up adopting a little girl with Down syndrome Mm -hmm. actually three years ago from China. Um, this December. So in fact, we probably had just 
she'd only been home a few months on our last conversation. Mm -hmm. So it was very fresh. Um, now she's eight, she's in second grade and she's amazing. But my husband and I, Gabe, have been married 24 years and, um, truly, I think all of life is a surrendered yes. And we'll get into that, but it's like just saying yes to risk that requires Mm -hmm. trust, whether it's big ways, small ways, everyday ways. Um, but knowing that life never looks the way we planned it, you know, Mm -hmm. and just accepting that as it is. And then going, God, what do you want to do with that interruption? What, what do you, what are your plans and purposes and how do you want to grow me in that way? So for me, uh, a decade ago, we moved to New York city and that was not my idea. I'm sure. Um, if you know my husband, you would understand that. And I kind of was kicking and screaming for about three years. And then finally, I just felt like that was a yet another surrendered. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Lord, if you have us there and, and for us so much, it was about living in mission and kind of being hands and feet and salt and light in a city that largely didn't acknowledge Jesus. Um, but even in that season, I started to have panic attacks and struggling with anxiety and depression. And God even used that to kind of begin a healing journey in me. And that's where the writing began and the teaching. So I, I feel like my whole life has been just like a surrender, like, where are we going and what are we doing? And oh, here we are. And honestly, that's why I'm here today. I think the great joy in life is to lose your life so that you can find it mm-hmm. again. And that, that Jesus kind of always has a surprise around the bend and if we let it. And so anyways, I'm excited to be with you. I want to go back to, so your um, first son was born with Down syndrome. And I feel like I have such a connection in my heart for that now because baby D, we've had him for six months. And just, I I really didn't understand what all that diagnosis entailed until we started going to all these doctors and realizing like it affects every single area of their life. And there's so many different things that mm-hmm. it can mean. And I just, I kept thinking of a mom who gets this diagnosis and just how how much there would be to process. And yeah. especially with your firstborn. Can you talk to us about what what was that like? Yeah, man. Ooh, I'll try to not just lose it right here. It's she was 26 and had never been a mom anyways. And six hours later, after a very traumatic, he was basically failure to thrive. I was 39 weeks. He had not grown. They found out that day for the last trimester. So he was four and a half pounds full term. Mm. And so it was emergency C-section. And um, I just remember hearing his heart rate, like on the monitors, dropping down into the 60s. So I knew that that was impacting his brain as well. And so they got him out quickly. They gave me two epidurals because it didn't take fast enough. And Mm. so that went up as a high block into my lungs and my airway. So I was paralyzed. I couldn't speak. I thought Mm. I was going to stop breathing. So I almost felt like I was dying on the table as well. So it was just like, honestly, I woke up that morning, just going in for my 39th visit, like 39 weeks, like we should probably be having this baby soon to 24 hours later hearing, we see signs of Down syndrome in your baby. Mm. And at that point he was in the NICU. I hadn't got to hold him yet. And I was just fighting for his life. So the diagnosis felt secondary Mm -hmm. in that initial moment. Um, and then of course, as it became concluded, you know, you had to send off at the time for genetic testing and within six days it was confirmed. And I remember I write about this in my book, you are free in this chapter called free to grieve where I, I just fell like, you know, I just fell on my knees in the shower when the diagnosis came through and I just wept. And it wasn't because I didn't think it was going to be what it was. It was more going like, 
I was almost grieving in body and spirit. Like I, I didn't even know what I didn't know. And I didn't know what this meant exactly. And I definitely felt very ill-equipped for all of it. Um, but again, it was such a grace of God, I think, to go like just one day at a time. Mm. And I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. And I love this baby more than you can imagine. And I, I believe that you're the mom for him. So mm. <laughs> here we are. And I just remember we, once we got that diagnosis, we drove to the hospital that day because at that point he was still in the NICU and we had to go home and come back and live all days at the hospital. And again, I'm just looking at a 26 year old girl and be like, you're going to be okay. You know, I probably would, <laughs> I wish now I could see her and be like, you're going to be okay. But at the time I remember driving and telling my husband, like everything feels completely upside down and unknown. And now the whole thing, and I'm kind of a type A firstborn planner, you know, have all these things mapped out. And of course the Lord would use motherhood as a way to go, like nothing is really ever mapped out. And I'm going to give you like a front row seat and an accelerated version of this. And so I remember driving to the hospital and being like, everything feels scary. And yet there's nothing left. Like, I really think freedom is a slow and steady process of handing things over. And that day was kind of, the Lord was just like, you're mine and he's mine. And all of a sudden, all the kind of my plans and purposes of trying to have everything figured out was just given over. And because of that, the Lord got so loud for me in that season. I was just always, always on my knees. I was praying for him to, he didn't latch on for nine weeks. I literally... Mm would just pump and then bottle feed pump. And then I was out. Like we, we had none left. And then I remember he would projectile vomit like formula and I had nothing left. And I just remember one day going, God, you need to make this happen. And I went in and had him try to latch on again at nine weeks. Cause it had been a couple of weeks. Sick. I got tired of trying and I was discouraged. He latched on mm. and I'd froze for like 30 minutes standing over his bed, just crying. <laughs> and, um, he wound up nursing for 13 months. It was like this fatty, <laughs> cute kid. But it was like at every turn, I think that first year, the Lord was like, he's mine and you're mine. And I don't know. I think that kind of an experience when you feel um, there is no other option but God. There mm. really is no other option. And while I had become, you know, I accepted Christ at age five, it was like, in that season in my twenties, it was like, oh, wow. Like you are my strength. Like Mm. you are my refuge. You are my peace. Um, and so God even is like for anyone who walks through hard things, if, if, if the grace of God gives you, and he really wants to give that to you, but when you walk through hard things, he really wants to give you the grace to sustain you and hold you and restore you and heal you. And you don't leave the same. Like you Mm -hmm. just, you never live the same from that moment on. So I didn't mean to get into that. I haven't been asked that question for a long time. That was really beautiful. And I was just thinking like, he's 20 now. And I've never met him, but I've seen the pictures online. And it just seems like he has been such a gift Mm -hmm. to so many people. Yeah. And if you could, you know, go back to 26-year-old you, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself? Yeah, just that God really catalyzed Cade's life. Cade Christian is his middle name for every single thing we're doing. Mm. Every single thing I'm doing, every single thing Gabe is doing, everything we're doing together has been catalyzed out of a fortified faith 
Mm-hmm. They came from his life. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful. I, I just can't fathom life looking the way I thought it was going to look. And he makes everything for good. He turns everything for good. Like all things are good gifts. And sometimes even the pain itself is the gift. You know, the suffering, Jesus says, you know, count it. <laughs> Kind of joy when you face trial because it helps you become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's like there's there's this grace that's ushered in when we're walking through hard things that we don't typically get when the life when life is easy. Mm. And I mean, just the people I've met along the way who are just like, I decided to keep my baby um, mm. because I I met your kids, and or I decided to adopt because I met your family, or you know, just sometimes courage we get begets courage. And while I didn't choose it, when you see someone else and it's, I'm not saying it's every day's thriving, but what, but what I do know is the Lord has us here. I mean, you don't, he has us in places that require him Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, because that is making us more like Christ. And in the end, what else matters truly uh, that we're putting our hands to if, if Christ isn't given glory. Mm -hmm. And so Gade's a perfect example of Gabe and I joke still like that God is still using Gabe to teach us patience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just, we would be the hurry people and he just does not let that happen. And I think it's just so good for our soul. Mm-hmm. And I think all of that really encapsulates what a surrendered yes is mm-hmm. and how it's that open hands to, okay, God, this is not what I had pictured or planned but I'm going to trust you and take the next step and trust you for what you have for the future. And it's so easy for us to look 20 years down the road and think, I, you know, I don't know how I can do this or this feels so impossible or where is this going to lead? But a surrendered yes, I really feel like it's, it's just being present where God has you and saying, I'm going to trust you in this right now. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many people who long for that. They want to live with their hands open. They want to walk by faith, but they're scared. Yeah. Because I don't think that walking by faith, like if you have to have faith, you're going to be going into places that are going to require faith. Yeah. That yeah. faith doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And so talk to the woman who's listening, who she, she wants to have that courage but she's scared. Yeah. You know, I was terrified then. There's still plenty of days I feel fear now. Um, partly because I think part of the fear is an intimidation strategy to, to, to tell us we're weaker than we are in Christ. We're not, we're not weak. (laughs) Um, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Actually, it's the opposite. And there's, um, so I do think if we hold a place of faith and we trust that God is prompting us or giving us a nudge towards something. So I think we begin there, right? I, I didn't feel a nudge towards Kate. He's just, he just came mm-hmm. out of my womb. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, we are doing this, right? Mm-hmm. But some people do find that diagnosis out early, or they might find news where they still have some time to process mm-hmm. and, and consider, I can't do this. This is too big, you know, or whether it's adoption for us, we made that decision years, years and years later with joy. Um, I couldn't possibly do this. Look at look at what I'm failing at in life. And, and and that's the enemy. He really, truly, I just think, wants to stop you before you get started. But what I've learned about the whisper of God is that it's gentle. It's a still small voice, but it is persistent. And it does bring itself back around. And 
um, whether it's through conversations with friends or someone you weren't looking for, but you just kind of stumbled upon online and something drew, something drew you in your heart toward that, that narrative, that story. And you're kind of like, I don't know why I'm always tender about this. And sometimes it might make you tear up. You know, the the Lord has planted, um, God-sized dreams in us, even in the womb. It says all our days were written in plan before one of them began and that he, that he formed and knit us with intention and that his works were wonderful. So it means a father calls out destiny over a daughter and then, um, sets a life in motion that allows for that to happen. While we can't, we can certainly reject it and say no, but I think sometimes we know when we're kind of betraying something that's mm. deeper that we can't shake. So I call it like sand in your shoe where it's irritating sometimes. You just wish it would be like be quiet, but it keeps coming back around. And I think for us, that's what happened with Joy. It was like a three-minute conversation to adopt every three years. Like, could we, should we maybe? No, I think we're good. And finally, we get to Nashville and out of our time in New York city. And it kind of opened up the possibility of that again, because it was more normalized here. There was a little more margin. We weren't in a 900 square foot apartment with two bedrooms there was a little more possibility, but in a surrendered, yes, I would just encourage anyone who might feel a nudge or a whisper or something that kind of continues to surface. It's just open your hands to it, open your heart to it. doesn't mean you're saying yes, but it's going, what is the next posture of release that I can at least hold this idea without running, <laughs> running for the hills. Can I hold it? Can I like, just look at it? Can I listen to it and, and consider it even, you know, even if we just do those small, subtle steps, that's really brave. Mm. That's actually very brave. It's much braver than just going, no, I could never do that. The minute we say I could never do that, we're kind of putting a curse on that idea or the potential of that idea. And I would just say, don't, don't say the nevers are always like, just hold the, the tension of going, wow, that feels like that would be a lot, but I, I'm, I'm curious. Maybe that, maybe that's it. Maybe that's all you have to do in that place of fear is just go, you can confront a lot of fear with curiosity. Like I just want to lean in. I want, I want to learn more. I want to, and that's what I did. And that's what I still do to this day with big decisions that require risk. I don't care if it's shifting careers, moving across country, growing your family, Maybe it's leaning into just inviting a neighbor that into your home that you kind of just didn't feel a connection with, but you want to risk, right? You just risking towards something. I think the the open-handed, open-heartedness of considering something will get you light years down the road um, in the face of fear because bravery is moving scared. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly what it looks like. You're kind of going, I'm just going to do the next right thing. And then I, I guess we're going to keep going until a door shuts and you just pray even in that way. Like God, if this is not what you have, just turn the, turn the tide and we'll be good. We'll release this. Um, so it doesn't mean you jump in like I'm doing this and we're doing this, but it's more going, I'm willing to walk slowly toward something and then let God make it more evident as I go. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking how you talked about like with Cade, you know, you birthed him. So you're like, here we are. are." But with joy, you chose to Mm -hmm. step into that. What was that process like of, I, I feel like you probably had a lot of those fears and, you know, can we do this? Our life probably your life felt very full already. And then just knowing the Down syndrome diagnosis, all of those things, like, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. I mean, because because that conversation when we had had Kennedy, so Cade Pearson Kennedy came 
in the span of four years. And I had had three C-sections at that point. And the doctor said, your uterus is not in good shape to continue. So so we tied my tubes while I was already on the table for a C-section with my third. And I remember Gabe saying, only if you're open to adoption. Mm. And so he was actually kind of putting that little seed there before. I, I was like, of course I'm open. I love God. But what does that really mean? Because like, <laughs> I'm maxed out. <laughs> um, so it was kind of like, considered. And then we moved to New York city and that became in, you know, in part our fourth baby. I mean, it took all of our energy and attention. We were definitely in survival mode in that season. And as we're going along the way, our kids are getting older and that gap's getting wider. And I just was like, I don't, I don't really see adoption. I think we're good. Like our life's, I feel like very full. Um, but we took our daughter to see war room and that was our first mistake. (laughs) And she came home and I walked into her closet one day and she had all these prayers taped up. And one was that we would adopt a baby sister. Mm. And I remember Gabe and I being like, Oh my goodness. Like, of course the Lord is going to keep bringing that thing around Mm. that conversation around. And I had met a girlfriend in New York who had just adopted and I just couldn't stop crying here in her story. I'm like, why am I so tender to this? You pay attention to tears. Mm -hmm. Um, cause there's something deep, deep that's like spiritual Mm -hmm. around this idea of what God's inviting you toward. He kind of makes you tender to it before you even realize you are, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so Anyways, I remember telling Kennedy, I think that might be for you when you become a mom. <laughs> we tried all the tricks, you guys. And um, I just finally, one day I just said, Lord, if you want this to happen, I need you to put it right in front of me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to pursue it. I know there are other families who are waiting in line and they have been waiting for a long time. I don't want to take somebody else's place. Um, so you need to put her right in front of us and I'll name her joy. And mm-hmm. that was it. It was just this fleece I put out. I did not file like a home study or whatever. I was just kind of like, we're going to move on with life. Mm-hmm. Two years go by my friend, Meredith Toring, who was in charge of basically a heart home for babies in Beijing, texted me a photo of this little girl right in front of me. And she said, her file's going to the States tomorrow. And at that point, we were at 20 years anniversary. Our youngest at the time was 13. I'm like, that's a big gap. <laughs> like, I'm 40. <laughs> like, I'm only getting older. And, but something about it, I just was like, what's her name? And she said her name was Kara, C H A R A, um, which is the Greek word for joy. Mm-hmm. And that got my attention, obviously, because the Lord's like, won't he? <laughs> you gave me like this ultimatum, and I'm going to already name her joy before mm-hmm. you even meet her. And, and then it was taking it to Gabe because he was kind of my, you know, barometer of like reality, like my heartstrings might be pulled, but still look at our life. And he just, he was the confirmation where he just says, I just believe God is inviting us into something. And this might mean more to his heart than anything else we do. And I was like, okay, you were supposed to be my out. (laughs) So when it just, it just, it was, I really do think that our, our destiny and our calling, calling begins with a caller. And I do believe the Lord invites us and calls us towards things because he knows it will actually bring the deep gladness from our hearts that we were longing for. And we're looking for it in all these other ways of like fame or um, significance in our careers or money. Um, But those are just like fleshly desires. It's the spiritual, like eternal desires is what we really want. But those are the ones that are the most scary. And so it's kind of this idea of going, all right, when all those stars aligned with Kennedy and then Gabe, and then there's this 
gorgeous girl named Joyce staring at us from the other side of the world. And then all of a sudden we're matched within like a week with that. I'm like, we got to hurry up and do a home study. It just was kind of like, okay, God, it felt as definitive as it did the day Kate was born. While we didn't birth her, God birthed her on our behalf and just had her in an orphanage at that point for five, four and a half years waiting for a forever family. And oh my goodness, I still cry because I'm like, now I can't remember life before her. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at pictures and sometimes she looks at baby pictures of Kennedy, Pearson Kane, and she looks at Kennedy. She goes, no, Kennedy, joy. <laughs> she's almost going like, where am I in these pictures? Um, but because she knows that she's ours and we're hers. And it's amazing how the Lord has fused that. And yes, adoption is complicated. We had no idea. She was still in diapers and taking bottles at five and a half. And we got her and she potty trained herself in three days because she was kind of like, I didn't know it was an option to not wear soggy mm. diapers. So I just think the Lord goes, I'm going to still, I'm still going to go before you like I did with Kate. I'm going to bring people around. And the thing you're most scared of is going to still, I'm not going to leave you or forsake Mm. you. I think that's a big thing. I think we're afraid of a future without God in it. Someone said anxiety is a future, a fear of the future without God in it. Mm. And and God is going, hey, I'm not going to leave your side. Not for one second. And maybe I'll be more obvious to you because you need me so much. Mm. And that's really, truly what that journey has looked like for me. I love this quote from page 35 of A Surrendered Yes. It says, God demonstrates His power through our frailty. In fact, this is the only thing we can boast in. His power is made perfect and on full display in our never-enoughness. When we are weak, we are actually made strong in Christ Jesus. Mm. It's such a beautiful place to be where you have nothing to point to other than it's God. Like yeah. he is the one who is carrying you through. And probably if people looked at your life and they would think, how are you doing it? Like, how are you doing it? Oh my goodness. Is that a question? <laughs> or is that a rhetorical <laughs> question? Cause I would like the answer as well. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I literally, I, I want to give you guys like a real up close and personal look. It's like, okay, so today um, we have someone coming to stay the night tomorrow night and the house is kind of a mess. And Gabe and I will go home at three and get the kids off the bus. We do work in our offices. I try to, I try to work during the school hours from nine to three as best I can, at least three to four days a week. And maybe sometimes at home, if I'm writing, I'm home more. But that's held so loosely, right? Because mm-hmm. Cade was home a couple of weeks at a time this fall with like people in his class having COVID or just continual. And it's just like, it's a dance. It, it, it really is a rhythm of life. The rhythm of life is exactly that. And I think we have embraced co-parenting as, as full and comprehensively as possible. Like Gabe mm-hmm. feels just as much ownership in the home as I do. And I feel just as much ownership in our vocations as he does. So that has helped a ton. And I do think having that kind of alignment as parents is a game changer. If one person carries one role and one person carries the other role, I don't think it's as integrated when you have a family with a lot of needs across the board where at any point someone needs to just be nimble and like go to the school to do the pickup or someone smeared poop on the wall and we got a, one's got to bathe and one's got to wipe the the wall down, you know? So it's almost like you're not really, your feathers aren't really getting ruffled by kind of the, the daily interruption because you've come to know it. And also what we do now as a result of kind of that long-term lower T trauma 
I mean, it's just chronic trauma of like always the interruption of like what, but it's not trauma in the way that's debilitating. It's just, it's, it's the stress that requires me to write about rhythms and then live them, right? Or live them and then write about them is really how it happened. And so now still to this day, Gabe and I end our day a little early and we will literally go for a walk. Um, if Kennedy's home and can watch the kids for 30 minutes after they get off the bus and just kind of exhale, or we'll all sit on the front porch together. We're outside in nature a lot. We're slow. We live in a quieter environment. We used to be in the city and we loved that in New York city, as well as like right in the heart of downtown Franklin. But now we're, we see more cows and people, you know, just in that little space, partly because I am an introvert and I feel like if I get too much high intensity input, I that kind of paralyzes me. Um, so just that rhythm of rest and restore kind of the slowing of my frenetic um, has helped so much. And and so in some ways, I think living this out is an unlearning of, like we fill our time with something. Um, we all have the same amount of time. It's a commodity that we all have equal access to. So I'm having to learn how to undo the ways I used to fill that time and go, I'm going to make sure with intention that I'm putting restorative, slowing, like calming rhythms in my life so that I can bear fruit of love and joy and peace in the face of, you know, the interruption of whatever that child or that person or that event or whatever my ministry life looks like. I want to have an overflow to offer um, burnout is giving from an empty place. And I know that I can't do that. I've learned that the hard way. So now it's going, okay, how do I proactively settle my soul before the Lord so that my family gets the best of me and that the ministry or the work or the writing or teaching um, gets the ring outside of that. Mm. And I feel like living from that place is part of a surrendered yes, because absolutely, if we feel like it's all up to us, like we have to micromanage everything and hustle really hard to get everything done. We're not surrendering and living by faith and opening our hands up. We're saying we got to clench our fists and try to make it work. Yeah. And so I love that. And I feel like it's just your life is just exuding this surrendered yes. Mm. And I would love for you to close by the subtitle of your book is 52 Devotions to Let Go and Live Free. And I'd love for you to just kind of give us a picture of what this letting go and living free has looked like for you. How has it changed your life? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a there's a quote by Mother Teresa that she says to Jesus in Come Be My Light, which is like her private writings to Jesus. And... um she said, when I see someone sad, it's because they're refusing something to Jesus. And so I've thought about that a lot in my life of when I feel like a sadness. I think there's, it's okay to have sadness. That's a real emotion. Um, and we should honor that. And But what is it that we're grieving or what is it that's been lost? And can we give that place of burden or um, sadness to Him? And so I find even today... Uh, if I wake up in the middle of the night and I have a couple anxious thoughts on my mind, whether it's work-related, home-related, mothering-related, you know, laundry-related, I don't care. <laughs> I immediately go, God, I, I'm going to not be anxious for this right now, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, I'm going to present my request to you and your peace will guard my heart in Christ because that's scripture. So 
So this morning, 4 a.m., I just said, God, I give Cade to you again, and I give so much thanks for his life and what he's shown me. And I go through each kid, and I give thanks for like just who they are and how much I have to be grateful for because we often focus on the thing that's missing or wrong mm. versus the blessing and abundance that's standing right in front of us. And then I give thanks for the work that sometimes can stress me out or or the husband that I've, you know, that is like my source of just joy. And it's just, he's wonderful, but there's still, obviously we've been married a long time and there's stressors there. And when I posture that giving and letting go, like I lay this circumstance down to you, God, you love them more than I, you know what the healing journey needs to be for them. I want to walk in perfect peace with trust that you are at the helm. And so that letting go says, God, freedom is going, I trust you. And I trust that I'm. you've given me these children, you've given me this spouse, you've given me this work, this beautiful work, because you know that you are faithful to complete it. You've begun it. You will complete it. I'm, on, I'm honestly like along for the ride. And the more I let go and I'm just kind of trust when things go well and things just don't, <laughs> maybe that just wasn't supposed to happen in the way that I wanted it to happen. And that's okay. Um, I find that my anxiety lessens incredibly and that my relationships are more nurturing, both in the giving and receiving. And that's the freedom. The freedom is just going, God, we don't have to make everything happen. We don't have to make anything happen. You, you are the author of life. And that means you're also doing a new thing in us every single day. When the, when the sun rises, we get new mercies every day. And I want to make sure that I'm present fully on my porch in the mornings, watching the sun come up, I want to be present to your grace and your mercy for today. And that is the letting go and the living free. It's it's not living in tomorrow. It's not living in yesterday. It's living today going, God, I trust that everything that you've given me to cultivate today is good and that you're faithful to complete what you begin through me. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for writing this book, A Surrendered Yes, 52 Devotions to Let Go and Live Free. And also, I just want to personally say thank you for stepping out in faith. Like your life, your family's life has really influenced and impacted our family. And I'm just so grateful for your courage. I feel like you have gone before me and Mm -hmm. God is using your life to inspire and infuse me that he is faithful and I can trust him to be faithful. So I want to live with that surrendered yes mentality as well. And so what you shared today was just so encouraging. So thank you. And I'm just excited to see what God has for you and your family in the future. And I know that I am just going to be watching and kind of as you pave the way behind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, girl. Well, it's a joy. It's a joy to see you walk too. I just think we do take courage from one another. Mm -hmm. And even on the days where I'm like, I know I did the right thing, but today happens to be a hard day. Just even seeing your life and your witness um, as a family, it just, it's, it's the very best thing to be Mm -hmm. a household of faith that Mm -hmm. leans on each other when we need to, because God continues to use our lives on display for his glory. And Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful. So thank you. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. 
Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 